0: He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High and abides in the shade of the Almighty. Does that sound familiar? says to the Lord, My refuge, my stronghold, my God, in whom I put my trust. It is indeed God who will free you from the snare of the fowler who seeks to destroy you. You will be concealed beneath God's pinions and under God's wings you will find refuge. This psalm It's just full of powerful imagery from nature, hunting, from war, human distress and frailty and the desire for comfort and protection. In the monasteries of the Benedictine tradition, Psalm 91 is said every evening at Compline, the last service of the day before bed. In fact, you'll find Compline in the prayer book and it makes a sweet and rich way of ending your day if you like that sort of thing. Compline itself and Psalm 91 in particular are invaluable parts of the spiritual toolkit that we have developed through the grace of God to ease the journey and point out the way to lives of love and peaceful purpose and happiness. Because, let's face it, what the Gospels are asking us to do is awfully risky. The more available and compassionate we are, the more we allow ourselves to be vulnerable to manipulation and hurt. And every time we allow ourselves to hear God's still small voice telling us we have enough for ourselves, we risk discomfort and fear we might be wrong. Whenever we choose to compromise with others and forgive them and hold our tongue There is the possibility of disappointment, rejection, ingratitude, and humiliation. Yet Jesus and Luke and Paul, like the psalmist, keep telling us to persist in this. Allow ourselves to be protected under the wings of God. Clothe ourselves in God's robes. Put on the armor of light. The famous theologian Karl Barth comments on this letter to Timothy that we heard today saying the forever that Jesus talks about is now. The kingdom of God is at hand right where we are day to day and we are the ones responsible for its upkeep and so we have to dress the part. There's a dress code but the fabric choices are wide open to each of us. And we work to remember to put these cloaks around ourselves anew every day, every moment sometimes, and wear them until they're soft and easy, like a favorite pair of jeans that never wears out. Jesus models the outfit for us and gives us the encouragement we need to make the risky and self forgetting fashion choices of peace, charity, and moderation despite our hesitation and fear. We're not left without help, but we must choose it. We must decide. Paul Tillich once pointed out that the worldly wealth we seek is unreliable. As a source of comfort, it's based on what is fleeting. But the pursuit of compassion is an unshakable foundation because it looks to the ultimate. What a difficult choice that is to make sometimes, especially without a lot of practice. What are we going to do with our innate fears? Our fears about not having enough. The other day a famous and famously wealthy ball player did a strange thing. I'm sure most of you heard about it. In the middle of a major league ball game he pretended to be hit by a pitch. He pretended so well that the umpire was convinced and awarded him first base. I didn't read any interviews on the subject. Uh, I don't know the ball player's story about why he felt compelled to do such a thing. I don't even know if he broke any explicit rules, but from any angle, that act seemed a little bizarre to me. I mean, you could argue that this guy has enough, enough, you know, enough victory, enough fame. He's probably got enough World Series rings for the fingers of both hands. He's got enough money to last his and his kids and his grandkids' lifetimes, I think. He stays out of the futures market anyway. He has more of it than anybody, almost anybody who's ever played the game. And yet, for some reason, at that moment, it seemed like it wasn't enough. And he had to do something else to get ahead. I don't know. I I don't have to know. Because I have pulled enough questionable stunts in my life to understand that sometimes we fail. And I have been the recipient of enough love and forgiveness to know that it would be absurd of me to withhold it from others, so how am I going to know I'm on the right track? We cannot effectively see ourselves, how we're doing without the vision of others. That reflective love, the love of other people, the people with whom we nurture our faith and celebrate our lives especially through uh, music festivals now and then, which was Fantastic. Those people, that love, the only way God has of making our desire to be good, our failures, our forgiveness, known and clear. God does not whisper to me. If he whispers to you, let me know. And uh, we'll adjust your meds or (laughs) or we'll put you on the pulpit, either way, or both. Archbishop Tutu famously observed, God will not transform the world without us. God will not transform the world without us. And we're given explicit instructions, every imaginable opportunity to learn how to do this. We heard about the rich man in Hades who daily stepped over the poor to get in and out of his palace. All he had to do was look, but he just couldn't do it. Again and again, we are assured, take the chance, accept you have enough. Let go of your self-righteousness and your attempts to control other people. Let God speak to you through them of grace and peace. Notice and care for the poor. God will not transform the world without us, says Tutu, and we cannot transform the world without God. So it's a two-way street. Because grace accepted makes all the difference. And grace habitually accepted will enable our transformation, will affect our transformation. As that dynamic translation itself of St. Paul that Judy just read has it, grace is an all-purpose, all-weather garment. And this cloak will cover and protect us under any conditions. We here in the Western cultures, we have a dubious and very naive luxury of sentimentalizing poverty. We think, well, the poor are more spiritual. Not necessarily, they're just more hungry sometimes and uh, we still have to take care of them. We've got to dig deep if we want to understand the concept of enough. We don't get it right away. But it's only by doing this that our fears, you know, our fears about the truth can be chased away by Jesus. Our fears will never be chased away by our accomplishment. They just rise up again. But will always be lessened when we accept that mighty cloak of Jesus' love. So you let me hold your cloak for you and please, please hold mine. And together we can grope and stumble and dance and run towards the kingdom. The uh, equinox that just passed was for some reason, particularly beautiful this week. It was just breathtaking and mysterious. Friday night, we had a, a big fire down by Kinesis Lake, a big bonfire, and the moon was putting on a show. At some time, we just laughed out loud the way it ducked in and out of the clouds, shy and glorious and changed colors and the reflection on the water. It was just unbelievable variety and sheer beauty. Allowing ourselves to be humbled by this kind of majesty is a good way, a good way of silently praying, praying for that loose garment that just might enable us to escape the snare of the fowler. And the fowler is the one who puts those fears in our heads, those conflicts about whether we're going to accept a peaceful life. So please, gracious God, let me put that cloak on today One size fits all of us and yet strangely, the cloak on me seems to fit perfectly, as if it had been made for me. I have some thoughts along these very lines, a poem I saw this week. It's called The Search by Kate Farrell. But then the moon comes up after all, and with a glow bright enough to wake you through the bedroom curtains, the night outside, one vast luminous room beside which indoor rooms seem to belong to a preliminary rudimentary dimension, and her shining there mother, daughter, friend, anima mundi, so still and low it's almost as though you hadn't broken every vow you ever made in the wayside tabernacles of the universe. This time you go back to bed, close your eyes and set out into the dark, hunting a state in which things are seen and known in the light love throws, doing away with mental fuss. Soon you're walking down an unfamiliar road in a nighttime countryside, hoping to come across a local acquainted with the lesser-known lunar writings. Houses are few. Everyone's asleep. The air suffused with a beautiful half-light whose source you can't place. You're strangely unafraid and in no hurry. Let me help you with your cloak, and please, won't you help me with mine? And together we can trudge the road of happy destiny. Amen.